In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. I don't think we can start with that. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be one of, that's one of the caveats. Well, that's one of the things that we have to talk about for this movie. Yeah. Are You the Furniture is not a good way to start. <laughs> on... Oh, man. Oh. So we're talking Soylent Green, and I'm joined today by Daniel Galai. Almost. Galai. Ah. I mean, it looks, it's a hard name. Not everybody has it. In fact, they're probably one of the only Daniel Galleys in the world. Maybe there's one or two other people. I am unaware of any other Sam Gashes. There is a Sam Gash who played professional football. Oh. I think he was on the Rams, but he spells it differently than me. And I believe there's a Samantha Gash. Oh. Or she might be Samantha Gasho. I don't know. There's yeah. not a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, there's I, I get a lot of funny enough, I get one recurring email. It's from they think I'm a I'm a I'm a father of a of a kindergartner. And they keep sending me emails. And they must have the same email address. I don't know or how. Something. Uh and uh they keep asking me to participate in their um, parent-teacher conferences, and I keep telling them, I'm not this person you're, you think I am. <laughs> and they have yet to remove me from the list. How long has this kid been going to school at this place? Um, it's been about a year and a half. Good. Yeah. yeah. Great. So, I have that to look forward to. So, Soylent Green <laughs> was an interesting choice for a movie. When, I'm going to take a step back. Before I even ask you why this movie... When did you first see Soylent Green? You know, I first saw Soylent Green after college. I was living with um, Will Green at the time. and For real? We were living in... Yeah. We were, Great. We were living in North Hollywood. And uh, we had... I had only known the movie for the, the Phil Hartman Saturday Night Live bit. Where he... Does like a bunch of sequel. He's dressed as Charlton Heston with okay. the with the, the, the little ascot. Hang, and ascot, and he keeps running on screen and saying different soiled colors and doing the impression of him. Um, so that's why I knew so the movie. So like blue is fish sticks. Exactly. Something. <laughs> exactly. So I, I just assumed it was like a cheesy sort of send up silly Charlton Heston movie, but no one actually sat down and watched it. I was I was uh, not only blown away by the the subject matter that they were tackling, but also the way they were tackling it and how pertinent it was to like what is still yeah. happening right now. It definitely feels like a natural progression. Like you can definitely see like the strings of where we are now leading to where they are then. Right. It's like idiocracy in a way, but terrifying but like in the sense dark. that it feels like it could be real. Yeah, totally. Totally could be real. I mean, aside from the fact that it's the year 2022 in the film, uh, it was certainly a fun moment in the movie where they say, well, this happened four years ago in 2018. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, um... Hmm. Well, maybe well, just Maybe just a tad early on that prediction. Well, no, because they said in 2018, the company Soylent... Like, in 2016 or 2017, the company Soylent released their first product. Right. And then they merged with Such and Such Corporation. And, they, and the, yeah. the first one was Soylent Yellow. And then they released Soylent Red. And then recently they released Soylent Green. And here's the thing, a company called Soylent did start putting out a product a, a year or so ago. I was about to say, didn't they actually do that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Soylent is a real thing now. I was having this conversation with my roommate the other day, like after I watched the movie, basically like, you've got to know, you're making a product called Soylent. You've got to know. You can't be that dumb. Yeah. 
So well, it's got to be one of those things where, like, instant, instant conversation. Like, no press is bad press. Yeah. We make a product called Soylent. People will be talking about it. Totally. I mean, it's also it's also approaching 40 years since the movie came out, right? Because it was 1970-something. Something like that, yeah. Uh, so, I should have written so that down. There's also... <laughs> likewise. So there's actually uh, is... Um, a gap, which is one of the one of the other caveats of of remaking a movie like this, is everybody knows the point of the film. Forty five years ago, nineteen seventy three. Seventy three. Yeah, so over well, forty five. Yeah, over right. 40. Well, that's so that's a, that's also a tough one. But I feel like as a gen, but you know, I'm I'm like thirty four, so uh, it to me was still kind of in popular culture then, and it hasn't really been. So we, you might be able to get away with the, the this generation now, the young generation not. I don't really. think you can because I think Soylent Green, yeah, like Soylent one. Green, is people. Is so I was waiting dumb. for that line. I saw this movie for the first time two days ago. I'd well, never seen this movie before, so I watched it on Tuesday for this recording, and I waited the entire movie for him to sit to say Soylent Green is people, and it's the last line of the movie. Yeah, but that's something that's so ingrained in popular culture. I think Soylent Green is people is on the same level as i see dead people yeah you're not wrong about that i mean it's sort of a timeless uh timeless thing so it's 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 so so, it sounds so campy you know yeah when when i first saw the movie uh i didn't really catch the datedness of it i mean there were elements of course because you know it's like the 70s sure um but and so and so you know as time past between my having seen it and my thinking about it the movie got better and better in my head mm-hmm. uh and so when i and when i did when i suggested that this would be the movie it was out there enough that i thought oh this is interesting and obscure right but also that it would be still kind of relevant to to what's what's happening what's happening now but but this is a big problem knowing soylent green as people is sort of what the movie is encapsulating but i think you gotta leave it lead it nah you gotta lean into it, yeah. Because yeah, the movie you like. There's this big reveal. Soylent Green is people, and then the movie's over. But for me, I was like, okay, so what happens after that? I feel like Soylent Green is people is the start of your act three. I feel like it needs to be Soylent Green is people. Soylent Green is people. You're telling everybody Soylent Green is people. I feel like an expectation when this movie came out and the expectation today are different. Yeah, I feel like. So the greatest people making this big announcement in the net, in the seventies when this movie came out, they'd be like, "Okay, he found out. He found out the secret. They're going to put a stop to it." Whereas my expectation now is, he found out. He's making this big proclamation. Nothing will change. Right. And I think that's a big difference because I think you. I want to see the world not changing. Mm-hmm. It goes from people not knowing. To people knowing and not and doing anything about it, yeah, nothing happens. Yeah. Like there's still riots to get Soylent Green. There's still all of it. Totally, yeah. There's uh, there's also a book. It was based off of a book. So right. I'm curious as to what the book, uh, how the book ends, and how that story is structured in there. You know, because like the problem for me is like is my problem with Valkyrie, right? Is that I know Hitler doesn't die in this assassination attempt. Yeah. So the the whole the whole like suspense of the whole thing is mm-hmm. is not there for me because i know how this movie ends yeah essentially which is an honestly big part i mean we talked about the matrix a couple of months ago and the first act of the matrix is what is the matrix yeah and you can't do that anymore at this point that's your teaser all of a sudden we know what the matrix is right and i feel like in this movie 
this entire movie is a mystery. What is Soylent Green? Or I feel well, like it's, yeah. Act One is building the world. Act Two is mystery. Act Three is action movie. Right. But even still, like it's something where the just the knowledge of what Soylent Green is led these people to want to die. Yes. Yeah. Ex- yes. Exactly. And that's that's really tr- the really tragic thing because the movie actually is about this murder and this and the discovery of the Soylent issue comes as a byproduct of this detective solving these solving this this murder that happened. Right. Which I which I think is awesome. Sure. I just I just love I just love that. And I love that he's like, do me in. I can't I can't be part of this anymore. Like I can't. And when the when Saul has his moment and he like finds out what it is from that whatever woman in the library. They're the other books. Yeah, the other books, yeah. That's where they were so excited to touch like real life books, but like cause his I like I like the job titles like I'm a book. I'm a detective. I'm a furniture. Yeah. It's messed up. I know. But it's a real good sci-fi element. It is a real good sci-fi element. And you know, I was talking... It's a good dystopian element. Excuse me. It is a good dystopian element. I was talking with uh, Catherine, my fiance, about this earlier today, about this furniture problem uh, in the movie. And I was saying... I was saying... I was saying that... I was trying to figure out how you get around that now because you'd you'd be skewered for that. But... With where we are right now, I mean, I don't want to turn this into a political conversation. I think it depends how you do it, but go ahead. With where we are in political, this political sphere right now, with these new justices coming on, and now they're saying Roe v. Wade's going to be dead, which is like, you know, the beginning of women's rights being taken away from them once they have having gained all the stuff. And having actually having women be, fur, like, quote-unquote, furniture mm-hmm. in this world, I think actually would make a statement about how these, like, power-hungry... It Greedy is. people have controlled people through, like, you know, And poverty. yet, I feel like that... I didn't know that was an aspect of this movie at all. Right. But I feel like the more you popularize it, I think the more you want to stick with it. Because it's a remarkably sex-positive culture. Uh, when he goes to the bodyguard's house and Martha's like, did you want anything? And he was like, if I'd wanted something, I'd have asked. Right. And they're just like, we can just have sex. Yeah, in fact, he tells, he's like, get in the bedroom. Yeah. In that scene when they're just like, all right, well, this is happening. Yeah. I'll come back to that in a second because the whole detective aspect is crazy, but it's a remarkably sex positive culture and there's no stigmatization for sex work. Right. The only time there even seems like there might be is, well, because she's not happy necessarily with what she does. She does it because it's a job. Right. And also when he says, well, it was nice knowing you, furniture, and she says, please don't call me that. And yeah. Then, and that was the only time. Because I feel like there's going to be the people who are like, yeah, it's my job. And then there are people like, yeah, mm-hmm. this is my job. Because yeah, it's a love story between the two of them. Well, I wouldn't call well, it that. Well, as it's... Well, it, it, it's, 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 it's the 1970s version. 1970s version of that. Of I mean, that. If, if they if they did redo this film and they and they made it today, it would have to it would have to be different. Yeah. It would have to be a little different. They'd have to modernize it. And they'd have to give it a more traditional structure in, in terms of the way they tell the story, which is all in who writes it and who directs it. And I had a theory of what I wanted to do for casting for that, and then I realized I didn't do that. So, yeah. whoops. We'll talk about that when we get to casting. Yeah. But everyone, like, since the job kind of, like, defined who they were as a person. Like, the book, he was just, like, he's a book because he contains information. Mm-hmm. But that's not even a concept unique to this. I mean, even in, like, Dune... That's a yeah. thing. Like, there's the guy who has all the information. Right. Like, that's his job. Fahrenheit 451 is also the same. Right, yeah. And that that's, like, the resolution of that. So it's just... 
knowing things is a superpower in these worlds. Totally superpower. And I love superpowers. Right. But the, the but for the detective What's yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, Detective Thorne. I don't know why Thorne. I keep I keep wanting to say Charlton Heston. Yeah, because so, it's much easier to remember. So Charlton Heston, like his thing is like as soon as he walks into this place, he just starts taking things. Yeah, and they watch him do it, just like and they that's him, the nature yeah. of this world. Yeah, which I thought was cool. It was super cool yeah. and interesting, and like that's what happens. Yeah. Like the corruption of the police force at this point is expected. Uh, Martha wanted to hide the spoon with strawberries on it because she knew he'd steal the spoon. I think not realizing that it was also going to be re- revelatory of the, the strawberries financial boon that, of which they'd found themselves. Yes, exactly, exactly. I think that's super. I think that's super interesting. You know, the the I love the dystopian world. I love movies with about dystopia, about these worlds that are sort of collapsed in on themselves, mm-hmm. and and you have you have to kind of shape the world as it is and they did such a great job of that in this movie yes. all the people lining like the guy the, the men sitting in the chairs with the machine guns mm-hmm. guarding the hallways while everybody slept everywhere and he has to like kind of leap over people and what i found was super cars. interesting was they're sleeping everywhere they're everywhere. sleeping on every single staircase except the staircase behind the building where people retire that staircase was completely empty. Yeah, which is... Because no one wants to go to the building where everyone just goes and is in a suicide booth. Is in a suicide booth, yeah. And that is also another element of this movie that I loved so much. I just thought it was so beautiful the way they did it. with you know, because this man remembers what the earth was like before we all turned it to, turned it to mush. Right. You know? And it's such a beautiful thing to have him see it. And then Charlton Heston... I mean, say what you will about the guy, but that I'll say lots of things. Say lots of things, but that performance he gives when when Thorne sees what the world was led, was like in comparison to what it is now, it breaks his heart. Yeah, you know, and that's a be- that's a beautiful moment. It is, and I also find it super interesting the people who remember the old world versus the people who only know the new world. Because Charlton Heston was like, "Yeah, this is what's going on. This is all. This is the only world I've ever yeah. known. It's fine." And then Roth was just like, you don't understand how terrible we have it. And I can't explain it to you because yeah. I have no concept. Yeah. And when they finally get a piece of beef and he's just like, oh my oh God, God, this right. is amazing. Yeah. And I love that his reaction to lettuce was like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> because that's kind of my yeah. natural reaction to lettuce. But then like his reaction to soap is like, yeah. he's so happy to have running water. Have you ever seen a bottle of soap like this or whatever so it is? Big. I, yeah, I, I was, break a soap. Half expecting him to take a bite out of it. I was too. He was looking at it like he was going to take a right? bite out of it. Right? It was just like, this is such luxury. Yeah. I love that element. And you can really flesh that. You can, you'd really be able to flesh it out in a modern version of this story. But here's another reason why I think, fortunately, you have to maintain the role of furniture in this world. Because that's an extrapolation of 1973. We do an extrapolation of, of 2018. Mm-hmm. The reason why there's such job scarcity is because robots do, are doing all these jobs. The scoopers come along, they're, they're automated cars. Yeah. You have someone who's a book, that could it can be a machine, it can be a computer, but let's say they can't afford a computer and a person is cheaper. Yeah. And you think about it and robots take over every single job. Like the, the vendors selling food, it's just vending machines. Yeah, exactly. And you keep the only jobs that only people can do... And it's the oldest profession in the world. Mm-hmm. 
granted they're making a lot of strides in Japan these days, but <laughs> basic concepts the same. There's right. something to be said for paying for companionship. Yeah, and yeah, and it's also yeah, paying for companionship and uh and it's you get you a know, fully furnished apartment, it's you get fully a, furnished. You, you get a pretty good life. But they also mention they also but then you have but then you have to I mean entertain these old, old balls, you know. Well, the other thing is that like it's a I mean it's obviously a blatantly sexist uh movie, but 100%. 100%, but like it's it's sense of like, well, the next man to move in cuz the only and I yeah. tried to flip this a little bit. I'm trying to remember how good a job I did, and I don't think I did as good a job as I intended. Uh, no, I really didn't. About about about, about gender flipping more, and I just like gen- I, yeah. Well, well that, that was my question. Is um was is a solution to this to gender swap roles? I what I wanted to do, and I completely spaced on it, was I wanted to gender flip Martha. Right. I wanted to make it Marvin or something. Yeah. Because like the. This particular gentleman's furniture happened to be a dude, or the bodyguard's a lady and it's a dude, or yeah, whatever. Right, the furniture can be male or female. Yeah, and it, and but still, like, I, did you want something? It's like if I'd wanted something, I would have asked. Like, no, no offense taken, no nothing given. Just like if I'd wanted to text with you, we would have because yeah. I'm a detective and that's how this works. Right. Just like all of the, I take what I want. Yeah. yeah. Like he literally took a pillowcase and filled it up with stuff. He literally did. Yeah. It's. Insane. It's, I know it's 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 insane. Yeah, and and everybody who the guys who come in to take the body away, they they know and they're like, give us, make sure to give me a cut of whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. And the one thing that he took that he shouldn't have taken was uh, the death rights, like, right? Which I don't know where he found that or where he got it. But, yeah, I don't remember. But he got it. And that was the one where the bodyguard and um, yeah, Cheryl, Cheryl, yeah, because that's her name. Yeah. Uh, oh, where Cheryl. Uh, they, they were like, well, we were kind of expecting the death rights because we were friends with him. And he was like, we'll let you know. And he just like has it and hands it to his boss. Yeah, right. Which that is... was the one that they were like, maybe no. But everything else, just sure, take it. That's yeah. your job. Yeah, why not? I mean, I mean that, I mean, in this world where everything is with so much corruption going on and, and you have, if so many people have so much and so many people have so little, you know, it's, it's such, it's such a great allegory for what's so, happening right now. Talk to me a little bit about, um, well, obviously we can get political with this movie, but I honestly yeah. don't see that as what this movie necessarily needs to be other than no. it's it, it a just, natural. It just is by nature. Yeah. yeah. It's just a natural exaggeration of the haves and the have nots. Totally. But this is a world where even the haves don't have it so good because getting that beef was such a treat, even for the super rich. Yeah. That, I mean, that's kind of what happens when you shit up the world that's right it just every it gets worse for everybody yeah and it's just gonna keep getting worse i mean that even you know we have we've had so many advances in technology since that movie came Mm -hmm. out and now they have um that beef and that chicken that are grown in labs from cells right that you that you can eat an actual patty cake that no animal had to be harmed in the making of Yep. So there is also that, and that's something that you. That's can't... a big uh, aspect of the movie. I think it's not the movie of the book AI. Oh, really? The book AI is wildly different from the movie. Um, it's still like Asimov's Three Laws of Robotics, but like the the book AI is a series of different shorts. And if uh, anyone hasn't had the opportunity to read it, I actually listened to it on audiobook. I actually I highly recommend it. Ooh. Because uh, it's different things and like kind of extrapolations of that world. And one of the things was. 
robots and computers are kind of running automation. They're growing, they're turning yeast into food, like all these different varieties of food, and they're just growing it, but they're also lacing it with the type of nutrition we need, but they're also creating it in such a way that it's a way that they know people will eat. Oh, jeez. It's interesting. Dark feature. Yeah, but the, take talking about this movie, and part of the reason why I think for a 2018 reboot, you have to rely so heavily on robotics i don't think i don't think it's ai i don't think there should be ai in this movie at all but i do think there should be automation and it's just processes are naturally going and carrying forward to -hmm. the point where there are no jobs left for people and all people are are mouths to feed until finally gets to the point where the only way to feed these people is to feed these people people yeah that's 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 the tagline the The only only way way to feed these people is to feed the people people yeah I mean, that's... that's That is basically it. It's pretty great. And so, I mean, literally, it's just all over the place. And so it it solves two problems at once. Uh It cleans up the streets, and it keeps people fed. Yeah. (laughs) I mean... And that's that's the movie. And so what's interesting is, do you dip into eugenics? Do you decide Mm -hmm. who gets gets eaten and who doesn't? Because it also felt very self-selecting this person's going home going home means you go to the you go to the suicide booth you get 20 solid minutes of um earth the documentary (laughs) yeah planet earth yeah uh while they play your favorite color and uh you get to lie down on a pillow yeah and then you go to sleep and then you go to sleep and those are the people that get turned into food so those those are the well well i don't know about that i don't know if that's entirely true those people definitely do get turned into food but all those people who got scooped up by those scoopers in that street who got dumped in those trucks also went to the factory didn't they i think that's the assumption we never see that never see that yeah because the factory was pretty calm the factory uh that charlton heston (laughs) walked into was a fairly civil place i don't know if he was there during the off hours but i feel like if they have a scooper with a bunch of people that got scooped in, I feel like they put up a bit of a fight before they get turned into the mulcher. Yeah, so, yeah, that's I know. I, it's 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 a tough it's a tough thing, but there were definitely all the bodies from the from the from the suicide building. Yeah, uh, definitely got the, turned. The into movie poster, when green. you look at it, certainly implies. Yeah, look at that thing. That those are the sort of people who are going to get turned into soylent green, but. I can't decide if that's what I want. I can't decide if it's self-selecting. Because, theoretically, I find it more interesting if there are enough people willingly cho- willingly choosing to end their own life that they will feed the rest of the people. Because that's also deeply tragic. Deeply tragic, yeah. As opposed to needing to go out and harvest. And that's also kind of why there's... Because there was a line at the... At the... Whatever, suicide factory. Mm-hmm. This is just, it's a thing. It's like, well, he's getting old. He'll be going home soon. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say that uh, Saul learns what Swan and Green is and decides still to, I mean, he, he, can't, he can't live with it. Well, he has this whole conversation with uh, the other books, basically right. talking about how, well, this is the thing. Now we know the secret. Someone has to go forward and they have to do a lot of work because they have to convince the world that this is what's happening and that it's wrong. Yeah. And he takes that in, information in, thinks about it, and can't it's handle like, it. No, and pieces I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah, it would, I would think it would have been interesting if 
the entire group of books would have gone. Like, none of us can handle it and they all go. Yeah. He's the main character, so it obviously happened with him. Right. But... And it gives, like, you know, motivation for um, for Charles Heston. Yeah. To... What, what's nuts is that, like, Charles Heston finally gets there and uh, Roth is like, you have to know, you have to know, you have to know. It's like, buddy, leave a... You left a note. Yeah. Why not leave that information? Yeah. Are you expecting him to show up at the last minute Dear to get Thorne, this info from you? Going home. P.S. Can't Soylent handle the knowledge that Soylent Green is people. Yeah. BT dubs. I finished the chili. Right. But I left part of an apple. And the rest of the lettuce. <laughs> I I know how you loved it so. I know how you loved it so. That said, put some of the chili in a leaf of lettuce, wrap it up, eat it, super good. Right. He wasted a whole sheet of paper for that. But that was only the probably that's probably the third or fourth draft of that letter he wrote, so yeah. that was how much paper he wrote. Do you think they recycle paper in this world? Because I remember them talking about clean sheets of paper as a big score. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know, maybe... And the pencils, fresh pencils was big. Fresh pencils was a big, was a huge deal. Because I think we presumed that, like, trees are gone. Right, trees are gone, yeah. Yeah, because they have that green sort of haze, filter haze over the... When he's in the, in like, the... With the rest of the riffraff in the world, you know. Oh, yeah. It's it's only clean when they're inside or Mm -hmm. they're over the fence... Because I think they talked in the beginning of the movie about, like, different filters and, like, cleaning the air and everything. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then the reason why Soylent Green couldn't be plankton is because the oceans are dying, the plankton is dying, there isn't enough to make Soylent Green. So, yeah, so Soylent Yellow is soy. Right. Soylent Red is vegetables. Mm -hmm. Do we assume just Soylent Green is people? Just Soylent Green, yeah, I think. Because that's the new new product. I think think the the assumption is that the government's running out of ideas because of this plankton problem. And so somebody from the soiling company decides this is what we have to do. And I also think it was interesting because I think they kind of were establishing, although I, it's hard to say, that the government and this big business were basically... All in, they're in, intertwined. Yeah, because yeah. the, governor, the governor knew right. what was going on. There are other dystopian movies where it's like the government sponsored by this or this, this company is now the government. Right, yeah, yeah. And... I certainly think that that's important because, like, yeah. if you get a company big enough, it is the government. I mean, uh, in the film, Soylent is feeding uh, more than 50% of the world mm-hmm. at that point. Now, here's my question. For the people who worked at the company, the people who knew, were yeah. they eating Soylent Green, do you think? No way. They are eating the good stuff. They are eating beef and lettuce. Yeah. <laughs> beef, was, beef was special. Lettuce was an ordinary. Apples were ordinary. Beef wasn't. Yeah, I mean, someone's... I mean, who's... Where's the beef? Here's what you know? I think you would need to do for a movie like this because it's been scientifically proven that if a person starts eating people, they go crazy. I think that's kind of your act three. I think that this movie is a stagnating society. It is a stagnating static society, alliteration intended, um, that kind of is like maintaining the status quo but it gets to a point where there are so many mouths to feed that they have to start feeding people people. But that's kind of the downward spiral because you start feeding people people, all of a sudden people start going crazy and you have to start taking them off the street more and more and more. Right. And instead of being layabouts, people who have nothing to do so they do nothing, they start being people who go crazier and crazier and you have to start taking out large branches of the society. And I feel and then like... it becomes a zombie invasion. No. <laughs> 
I feel like you start the movie with everything being overcrowded. Yeah. And instead of ending the movie on the thing Saul saw, which is just like the, keep calm, everything's wonderful, yeah. you're about to die. Keep calm, everything's wonderful, you're about to die. It's the exact same shots you did in the establish, establishing beginning of the movie where everything's overcrowded with people, those same shots again, and there's no one there. Oh, I Implication see. being that, like, the automation, which went to take the people out and made sure that all of the people who were causing problems got taken out of the system, had to take everybody, it gets to a point where it had to take everybody out of the system, and there's no one left. Yeah. I think this movie needs to be the end of humanity. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't think it can end, it can't end with, like, a, yay, we took down the corrupt right. corporation. No, I, th- I think the corporation wins. I think the corporation wins, and by the corporation winning, society ends. Yeah. But the other thing that I was thinking is, I don't want us to know that going in. Um, the I want this to be written in such a way that you think that... It's going to go the way you think it is. Yeah, you, yeah. Think, it, you think the person's going to win, the company's going to get taken down, society's going to turn around. Right. I want us, up until like the very end of the movie, because that's kind of what happens... It's this big mystery. Oh, what's Soylent Green? What are we going to do? What's going to what, what's going to happen? We find out that Soylent Green is people, but we have to see what happens after that. And I think especially we have to suffer. I think there ha- the surprise has to be that it's not a happy ending. Right. Not a happy ending. And, I mean, what good are the people on the streets doing for the people in power in this movie? I mean, they're doing no, they're doing no good. Uh, so I, I think that's probably the only solution... To them is like feed them, feed them people, see if see if see what happens there. We get their money by feeding them. Yeah, and the ones that because yeah, because there is an exchange, right? Because everyone has there's sort of like a universal income sort of thing happening, right? Because they go is there? well, they because they have that scene where they're all standing in line and they're like, oh yeah, today I get uh, right, but they were paying for it. Yeah, but then they they, pay they for had the money. What I think what a lot of people were getting money for was paying for the people that died. Like, right. everyone was going and reclaiming the chip of, the, I know this person who died, right, those little here's chips, your money. Yeah. yeah, right. And so I feel like you were getting paid for the couple, the people who had jobs were the luckiest because they had income, but the people who didn't could only make money by waiting for Angela to pass away. <laughs> I know. That's crazy. Yeah, and so, yeah, when they're, yeah, that was, I guess it was just a little unclear for me. If everybody was paying for the Soylent or if it was something that the government was giving was giving people. If Soylent was like a government-funded thing that they just gave Soylent to people. or Because there was a, that huge crowd was just There like, was, but I don't think people were giving it away because then there were the vendors saying like, all kinds of Soylent scraps here, give us some money. Right. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Soylent crumbs. Even if it's unclear in the movie as it exists now, I feel like in our movie everything costs money. Yeah. It's just what people are willing to do to get the money and what things there are left that pe- that it takes a human to do. Yeah. You want a person sitting there because just an automated machine gun isn't going to do it because you need someone who's able to have, like, the distinction. You need someone with reasoning factors to be a detective and you need a human being to be furniture. Although, yeah. I think it would be interesting if we saw other houses and some people had automated furniture, so to speak. Yeah, gross. Super gross. But that's what I think it needs to be. Like, there are the yeah. people who... Uh, and, like, that could even be a thing. Like, like you, I don't... Uh, Sher- yeah. Cheryl says, I don't know if he's going to want to keep me around or if he's going to want to go automated. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. 
Like, I think, because she has legitimate fear, I don't know if he'll want to keep me, because there's plenty of other women out there, I don't know if he'll want to keep me versus... Even she's being phased out of a job. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's how you know it's the end of society, because everything, like, if it's the oldest profession in the world, yeah, if that's going away, right. tough situation. Yeah, that's, that's, that is a tough situation. Uh, this, I mean, this reminds me so, so much of the, the Animatrix Renaissance Part 1 and 2 in that way remind me do you remember i saw the animatrix but it was a long time part ago. one and two was was the how did we get here in okay the, in terms of the matrix world so it talks about how we've automated everything and that the robots are doing all the hard work and they're doing so much of the hard work that all humans have to do now is just like hang out and party and do stuff mm-hmm. until that one robot kills his master and have and they go on trial and he defends himself on trial and suddenly the other robots are like wait a minute if he's defending himself then I should be the better that's a little bit of AI as well you should read AI and or listen to it yeah yeah probably listen to it yeah yeah sounds like a big book Isaac, Isaac Asimov it's actually not yeah Isaac Asimov yeah he writes big books <laughs> thick books small print I don't think they're that big <laughs> no? I think you're because oh, yeah. it's a it's a thick book by uh, old old standards it was like 200 something pages okay that's not too bad that's yeah. not too bad because again the only other I don't know I listen to it but hard to say fair enough. The only other Isaac Asimov book that I have is uh, Isaac Dude, Asimov's Android's... Guide to Shakespeare. Why? Yeah. Why is that a thing? Oh, it's super interesting because he talks sure. about he talks about the, the place historically, from historical context, and how they relate to like actual history and stuff. But big big book, small print. You know? All right, if you say so. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot. There's a lot of Shakespeare. Right. Uh, the library near where I used to live had a whole series of Asimov books on um, on on audiobook on cd and i listened to all of them because it was do androids dream of electric sheep it was oh philip k dick yes philip k dick yes not isaac asimov no good point philip I'm k saying dick. the wrong thing that's great no i was isaac asimov is um he's like a, a historian and a, and a, a uh I, a I do mean philosopher. isaac asimov not for do androids dream of electric sheep because asimov also did like old sci-fi right because he has the foundation trilogy which, oh man, have you read the Foundation trilogy? No, those big fan, also big fan of sci-fi though. Yeah, th- those are that's one of the fundamental sci-fi trilogies. The Foundation trilogy to the point where I'm legitimately surprised I'm it's gonna, never been turned into a movie. I'm going to write a note right now. But I honestly think it'd be difficult to turn into a uh, a movie. The basic premise of the Foundation trilogy is that there's uh, I don't remember what the profession is called, but basically it's someone who is able to predict the way society is going to go based on the movement of the crowd. Because different Whoa. individuals will do different things and that's really exciting and it's good, but the public as a whole, as a giant mass, is always kind of moving in one direction and he predicts what's going to happen to the like thousands of years in the future, this is where society is going to go. Mm. And he creates a foundation to kind of guide it in the correct direction. Ooh. And that's the premise of uh this series that's that's that seems like a positive way to look at the future it is yeah so the exact opposite of philip k dick (laughs) right yeah i mean yeah yeah that honestly yeah that guy yeah that guy was um and so i feel feel like this movie needs to be we expect it to be isaac asimov but in reality it's being philip k dick yeah yeah Yeah. so probably means it should be made by a spanish filmmaker interesting let's get into that so let's talk about is that who you have for your director and or writer? Well, I have, I, I made a, I made a whole, I made 
multiple people, and I cast. Come on, man! But, well, look, I, have, I have favorites. I have favorites. I have my favorites. You know, we don't have to talk about all of them, obviously. But <laughs> <laughs> but but no, I have I have I have my my, my favorites. Right, I, I had Coron on the list, Alfonso Coron, because he's he's so good at building these worlds. These dystopian worlds, and he's so great at, at the storytelling of, of the thing. And I just love how he tells a story with the camera. What's the movie he's done that you would say is is the movie that le- leads you here? Children of Men. Okay, sure. Yeah. And you don't think that he's already done his dystopian world? He might. He might have. Which is why I also have Danny Boyle on the list. Okay. Why the, Danny Boyle? I, he can do anything. That guy, that guy is incredible. Twenty-eight days later, millions, uh, one hundred twenty-seven hours. I mean, he's done. He's done all sorts of types of genres of movies, and he's also so great at what he does. Just in his, just in his vision of for, vision for things. I mean, he's been. He's so great. He's just so great. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't believe that the guy, the guy that made one hundred twenty-seven hours, also made millions, and also made Sunshine, and also made. I mean. The guy is just, he's hes so versatile with the camera and the way he tells stories. I just love him a lot. It's interesting that we're starting with writer-director this time just because that's normally the opposite of how we do this. But let's let's jump in because my director is Sam Raimi. Whoa! And the reason Sam. why I picked Sam Raimi is because I want this to feel like Spider-Man. I want this to feel like there's going to be a movie where with a happy ending at the end before we realize that it's really a horror movie we've been in this whole time. Like, I want Act 1 to be Spider-Man. I want Act 2 to kind of be, like, in the middle. And I want Act 3 to be, like, horror. Like, we are in a full-on horror this society. This is turned for the worse. Yeah. 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 Wow. And that's what I feel like the progression of this movie needs to be. And that's why I thought Sam Raimi, because he's kind of done both those worlds. I really, I really love that. Have you ever seen um, the Sam Raimi with uh, Billy Bob Thornton and uh, Bill Paxton? It was a long time ago. It's, it's coming to me. It's coming to me. Yeah, look this up. <laughs> um, because it's uh, it's I didn't write it down, and it's Evil Dead, Army it's of Darkness, Dark Man, escaping my. Um, he's a he's direct. He directed it, and it is. He's the voice of a giant squirrel in Jungle Book. <laughs> Poltergeist, Murder of a Cat, uh, Dark Man, Three Geezers, Evil Dead, Oz the Great and mm-hmm. Powerful. Like that's the sort of thing. Oz the Great and Powerful, light, fun. Oh yeah, I haven't like, seen it's Oz gonna, the Great like, and Powerful. You know, you a know, simple plan. Simple plan. All right. I'm pretty, simple plan. I'm pretty sure that was him. It was before Drag Me to Hell. Yeah, simple plan. Drag Me to Hell. I Drag Me to Hell. Such a great movie. Now, Sam Raimi's a great, a really great choice. And the thing that I love most about Sam Raimi and his movies is his ability to, to send it up and be funny, mm-hmm. but in a way that's like actually truly frightening and scary and real all at the same time. Yeah. I mean, he's... He has that. He has that great, that great levity to his work, but it's like grounded in such such a great like root of mm-hmm. like reality that I just I just love I just love what he does. He's great. awesome. That's stay. It's that's very good. Let's go with very that. Very good. So yes. then, talk to me about who you have for your writer. I'll, actually, let me tell you about my writer first. Yeah, because you did director first. Uh, for the writer, I have a woman named. I mean, the obvious choice is Margaret Atwood. Okay, because she does Handmaid's Tale. Okay. That's why it's the obvious choice. Yeah, I've, I've seen the first episode of that. I haven't seen the rest of it. I have the first season sitting over there. I picked a woman named uh, Lauren Oliver because she's written some like dystopian YA books. She wrote a book called Delirium. She did Liza and Poe, uh, a book called Rooms. And like she has something called Before I Fall, which is 
described as a dark spin on Groundhog Day, that as a teenage girl, Zoe Dutch, reliving her death until she sets things right in her life. Happy Death Day? I mean, that no. It's called Before I Fall. Before I Fall. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Happy Death Day is one of the Wayans brothers. Or is it Damon Wayans Jr.? It's Damon Wayans Jr., I thought. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, I, did, I, I, I almost watched it the other night. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't no. really trigger it's fine. Ended up watching The Purge, the original one. Yeah, we have a whole episode about Groundhog Day you can listen to. I actually listen the one I listened to. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Fine. Um, but, base, and she's also uh, developing a book, uh, basically, like, a Donner Party with zombies. So, like, she's done, like, YA dystopia, which Whoa. is kind of like, YA dystopia is, like, the dystopia that has a happy ending. You think about Hunger Games, where right. it's kind of, it's not a happy ending, but it's, like, a slightly optimistic ending. Like, the way you write these things leads towards happy endings before it just, boom, gets crushed. Right. And so I thought she, in particular, would be able to handle that. Anyway. Fantastic. She's a she's a deep pull, but that's why I thought that she'd be interesting. But tell cool. me who you have for writer. Um, once again, I have a whole list of people that I like Well, talk me through lot. a couple of them. Talk okay. me through so, some of your favorites. Uh, the, top, the, top of my, the top of my list was, uh, was Scott Frank. Scott Frank is great. He did. Um, uh, he wrote. Lo- he wrote Logan and Minority Report. He did uh, that TV show Godless on Netflix. Okay, that I liked a lot. I just. I just really love his ability. Minority Report, I think, is a great reference for something like this because it's. He uses the. I mean, he didn't. He didn't direct it or anything, but uh, it's a great adaptation of a Philip K. Dick book. Sure. And um, and I think he did a great job building that building mm-hmm. that world and making. He did that. the first Minority Report or the remake. The did they Spielberg, remake Minority the Spielberg one? They remade Minority Report. No, I'm thinking uh, of which one am I thinking of? The one where they're on like Mars or something. Um, where they're on Mars. It's like they remade it with like Colin Farrell or something. Um, oh, weird. Yeah, I'm looking this up. Yeah, yeah, I looked that one. Looked that one up. Scott Frank is great. Because I, in retrospect, uh, don't think they remade Minority Report because no, no, that would be really hard to do. That'd be very difficult. Total Recall. To- a total Recall. That's right. That was a. Yeah. I like I like Scott Frank a lot. I just like his I like his style. I mean, Logan was also such a fantastic movie. Um, uh, I also like Marty Noxon. Marty Noxon is I know that name really great. She wrote for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The That's TV why show. I know that name. She's really she's really fantastic. She's she just wrote Sharp Objects on HBO, which is pretty dark. But her especially her episodes on Buffy were. Uh, Really fantastic and complex, and she really brought some some great vitality to that show and the stories. Which I because I'm a big Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. Uh, my fiance Catherine has seen the whole series like three four times, and so we, we sat down and watched it together. Marty Noxon is she also wrote I Am Number Four. Oh, nice! Why well, that's definitely YA. Yeah, yeah, hardcore, hardcore YA and Sharp Object. I haven't seen episode two yet, but uh, <laughs> it's you know very dark. Uh, very dark, and I think she'd be able to navigate the, the the traps around. And she's done kids' movies, like she's done Toy Story of Terror, <laughs> which I've never heard of. No, neither have I. I lean towards Marty Noxon. I think that's a great pull. Yeah, she's she's awesome. I like I like her a lot. Just her. I mean, she also wrote Fright Night. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we got to go with Marty Noxon. Marty Noxon is is a pretty good one. I mean, she's right up there. Uh, I like her a lot. Really great, really great writer. Yeah, so yeah. she's going to be great. She's great. Perfect. I love it. So then let's actually get into our core cast. Okay, and I feel like it. it's going to be built a lot around Detective Thorne. Around Thorne, yeah. 
Detective Thorne, the guy that I had is an actor named Daniel Wu. Daniel Wu. I'll pull up a picture. Yeah. Oh. Okay, yeah, show me. Show me who this guy is. Daniel Wu. I've seen him in a bunch of different things. Most recently I saw him in the new oh. Laura Croft movie. Interesting. And New Police Story. Because a lot of times I'm like, well, this sort of person like has a comedic bent, and I want <laughs> no comedic bent at all. Yeah. Just kind of a like a dry delivery of like this is the world. I'm just moving through it. And like kind of like the expressive face who's like able to go through and we can kind of see the different kinds of pain he's going through. Yeah. And that's why I thought Daniel Wu would be interesting. That is a very interesting... He's also like the lead in Into the Lou, Badlands. Lou Ren in Tomb Raider. Okay, that's awesome. Um, I mean, he's done a bunch of less impressive things as well. Into the Badlands is kind of... Into the Bad... I don't know this show. It's It's a big joke. Yeah. I don't know if it stuck around. I but haven't, haven't he was, seen it. I think he was the lead. Awesome. Uh, I've seen him before. I like. I like. I liked him. And actually, I really liked that Tomb Raider movie. I enjoyed it. It's not good, but I enjoyed it. No, but but it's exactly what it says it's going to be. You know, it, it doesn't try it? to be anything else. And I, I I thought I thought they did great character development with her and finding the thing and becoming Lara Croft. I would see a sequel to that movie. The only thing that what there are a lot of things really interesting about that movie. Yeah. The one thing that I think it really does fail at is there is absolutely no supernatural element. That, it's, it's all logic and science, yeah. And for me, that's a problem, because that's a huge part of... I mean, I get it, video game versus reality, but at yeah. the same time, you have someone who's resisting, 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 and then all of a sudden there is something supernatural, Right. and I find that interesting. Even if it's low-key supernatural, because you can lead it into whatever you're going to do next. They could do that in the se- in the sequel to that. That is what they're going to do yeah. in the sequel to that, and that I don't find that interesting. <laughs> okay. Like, I, I, I don't like the idea of holding something back. I think you have to... like. You don't write for the sequel. You write a good movie. Yeah. And if we like those characters, we'll be interested in seeing what they do what they do next. True. Yeah. Anyway, but yes, Daniel yeah. Wu was really good in it and I cuz he played incredibly hurt and then also inspiring and I feel like that's something you can do like this person who's going through the motions yeah. and obviously he's like, "No, I'm going to do it. I'm going to save everybody." And then doesn't. Right. Yeah, my 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 go-to for Thorn was a is a is a powerhouse A-lister. Okay. Idris Elba. Sure. I just love Idris Elba. He's so good at what he does. He's good at everything. He's good at everything. And I think he'd be able to play uh, the dynamics that the character demands and have be able to hold the screen. But I like Daniel Wu. I like I like Idris Elba. The only reason why I would say let's not go with Idris Elba is because, (laughs) if anything, he's too confident. Yeah, okay. And I feel like Daniel Wu isn't quite successful enough that he has like the, all of that backing behind him. Like, I deserve this. I'm really good. And Idris Elba, I'm like, he's Bond. Yeah. Like, Idris man, Elba I mean, would have been the perfect Bond. Should have been. And like, there's just the quiet confidence of someone who like knows what they're doing is absolutely, yeah. completely right. He is super confident, yeah. I don't see that in Daniel I'm sure I'm sure Daniel Wu is a wonderful guy and I'm sure super he confident. Is. I'm sure if he was here right now, we'd have a great time. Absolutely. Uh, he would definitely be dominating the conversation. Yeah. Uh, and welcome to. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to hear what he has to say. But that, that's why I don't think uh, Idris Elba... Not that Idris Elba's a bad pull, because Idris Elba's Totally. Great. He's, he's, he's great. He's a powerhouse, though. He, he, yeah. He's the guy. He's, on, he's an anchor for the thing, but I like Daniel Wu. I definitely have an A-lister in here, too. Okay. But we'll get there eventually. Okay, great. Awesome. Uh, so the next the next thing is, uh, it seems to me, would be Saul, right? Sure. Saul, yeah. Let's talk Saul. 
I went one for one. Mine's super easy. Go ahead. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a guy. His name is Michael Winters. Okay. He was on Gilmore Girls. Okay. As Taylor, but I think he's fantastic. He's a fantastic actor in the show, and I think he would be. He would crazy be... eyes because in this picture he definitely has crazy eyes. Yeah, well Taylor Taylor's a very Taylor's a crazy guy. He's he's. You know, he this uh, Stars Hollow is his his only. So you source see, of Saul living. as being a lot more of a comedic element in this. No, I think he's tragic. I think he's a, I think he's a tragic person. He's the sad clown. But yeah, but he could do that. Okay, he could do that in a in a really great way. And he's 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 much he's older now, so he can play sure. play the old the old guy and still be able to hold I can hold see it that. down. Yeah, and I, also like like a world wearied. Sort of like haggard, weathered version of Michael Winters, I think would be, would be awesome. I'm not necessarily opposed to that. Let me walk yeah. you through my choice. Yeah, so tell me. My choice is Brian Cox. <gasps> oh, Brian Cox, my man. I love Brian Cox. Yeah, but Brian Cox is very one for one. Like yeah. you see uh, Saul Roth and you're just like, yeah, that's Brian Cox. Yeah. Which is why I picked him. Right. Because he's the, he's the guy who knows a bunch of stuff, who's seen it all, who's gone through all the motions. Like, this is what we gotta do. Yeah. He's the guy where the world is weighing down heavily on him, but he's still got stuff to do, and that's why he sticks around and deals with it. That's why I thought Brian Cox. Yeah, that's, that's, very, that's very good. I, 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 think, I think Michael Winters kind of fits that bill, considering his character of Taylor in, in Gilmore Girls. Um, but, uh, he, but Brian Cox is so good. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love him in everything I see him in. Yeah. Uh, he's fantastic. And I haven't seen, I haven't seen Michael Winters in anything else. That's my question. Is Michael Winters still alive? Yeah, he's doing plays and stuff. Oh. Oh. Yeah. I can see why that would appeal to you. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. I I, I like it. At some point I realize we have to talk about how we actually know each other, but I feel like we'll do that at the end now. Yeah, okay. Since we've gotten to this point. Yeah, we just kind of went into it. Yeah, I was. Which, I mean, I'm cool I got. It. it was. I was excited. Yeah, and, we were. It's, it's, and, Green's a crazy movie. Like, I'm legitimately glad I watched it, and it was not at all the movie I was expecting it to be. Yeah, because I was expecting like, a, here's the world we live in. Isn't this wild? Hey, check out this keen thing that we're eating. It's Soylent Green. We get it from this machine. It's delicious. <gasps> but no, it was just dark the whole time. And it's just super dark. Both are fine. Yeah, but. And I, I love the the mystery murder mystery sort of detective element of this of this film too. Yeah, uh, that's one of my that's my favorite things. I mean, I also think thrillers are probably my favorite genre of movie. And I don't generally enjoy thrillers, but this de- this deserves to be a thriller. Yeah. Uh, so, do you think Michael Winters would be a good actor for a thriller? I think I think he would bring a great sort of like gravitas to I agree to that anchor with you for that character because I feel like especially based on the way I cast everything else we're going to be dealing with a lot of people who are heavy presences yeah and we need a little bit of lightness and that way it's so much more tragic when all of a sudden he gets this information and can't handle it anymore yeah so I think someone whose base is comedy I think that's a good idea yeah and he's sort of a He's sort of a, I mean, there is, although, to be contrarian, there is something really, want, really great about, about 
killing off somebody that the audience loves a lot. Absolutely. Because you have to love the character. That's what tragedy is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You it's, have to love that you, character. You have to. And, I and everybody like this... loves Brian Cox. I mean... Do they? Yeah. Everyone likes Brian Cox. Everyone has a lot of respect and enjoys Brian Cox and always thinks he does a good performance. But he never plays characters that are lovable. No. Well, Super Troopers. He rarely plays characters that are lovable. <laughs> That's true. Rarely. I mean, you think about his character in X-Men. You think about... The Ring. Yeah. The Ring? Yeah. The horror movie? Yeah. Oh, all right. Good for him. Uh, you think about, like, even his character in, like, Long Kiss Goodnight, or the new uh, show oh, that he yeah, has. Yeah, the Long Kiss Goodnight. That was the first DVD I ever watched. We got a DVD player really? back in the day. That's... My dad got a DVD player. He bought a DVD player and Long Kiss Goodnight, and I turned, put that thing on... And I started looking, watching the previews, and he was like, why don't you skip the previews? And I was like, you can, can skip the that? previews? <laughs> I remember that was my quite the revelation. Yeah. Uh, we did Long Kiss Goodnight for the podcast. You did? Yeah. I'm going to have to check it out. We did that for our Christmas episode. It's That's Shane, a perfect. Because it's Shane Black. I love Shane Black. And so I, I, tell my long, uh, I tell my Long Kiss Goodnight story during that episode. So if you want to hear Sam's Long Kiss Goodnight story, yeah. tune into episode, I don't know, whatever, Christmas. Yeah. Uh, I also am one degree of separation from Shane Black. Oh, yeah? A degree. Tell Just me, a single one. Tell me about this degree. Uh, well, Catherine, uh, Catherine has, has hung out with the guy, knows him, because her, one of her friends, Santina, she's friends with Shane Black and... They're they're very close. And, That's fun. And uh, so I have I have a, I'm I'm like this. I thought you were going to say Catherine close. was in one of his movies, and I was going to be really Catherine excited. Catherine was in one of his movies. Ah! No, but she was a kindergarten cop. I didn't know that. Well, she, she, yeah, she was. Well, she ended up getting. She still gets checks from it, but she ended up getting fired from the yeah. movie because she was a kid and she was sick, and it was, it was like all oh, throwing no. the fuss. But she's the reason that uh, boys have penises, girls have vaginas, is in the movie. Really? Yeah, she said it at her audition. That's funny. I know. Pretty awesome. So for that miracle of a, of a line, she, she deserves to keep getting checks. She gets those checks. Yeah, Absolutely. Pretty great. Kindergarten cop. All right, cool. Love it. Okay. Let's talk about Cheryl. Cheryl. Or as she's known in the movie, Furniture, which is not a good name. <laughs> but terrible. unfortunately, it's it's so dark that I legitimately think you have to keep it. I think you have to keep it. And I think it's a Because it's a, it's a real comment on the way... A lot of society sees women. It is very, and still. But I also think that you, if that's the case, you need to have, we're going to have to have a conversation about Martha, because I think we're going to need to throw away both of our Martha casting and go with someone else. That said, I'm okay with show, throwing away our Cheryl casting and going with the dude as well. Yeah. I don't care. I feel like one of these two main furniture people needs to be a dude. Right. Um... One of these two main furniture people needs to be a dude. So yeah. let's talk about them both at the same time. Okay, great. Um, Cheryl's tough because, like, the big casting choice for this particular actress needs to be... She needs to be attractive. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And I don't think that's particularly interesting. So I went with someone who I've actually never seen perform for Cheryl. But I went with her specifically because... Because when I was reading uh, Archie comics growing up, the character of Veronica would be perfect for the way I think Cheryl would be portrayed in a 2018 movie. Because it's someone who happens to be attractive, but knows they're attractive and is able to kind of leverage their own appearance to their advantage. Okay. And so uh, Camila Mendez, who plays Veronica on Riverdale, 
I don't know if that's the portrayal she is in the oh, TV show. Interesting. But she's a young, attractive person. But if someone who's conscious of that and is able to take that and manipulate it, manipulate the people around them, like uh-huh. I think it's interesting if she. I mean, I feel like she needs to have more to do in the movie. Like sure. if she knows the entire time, then I think she's interesting. Like, Agreed. Because she's been working with this guy this whole time. She knows why he was killed. And she's friends with the bodyguard. I don't think she should be sleep. She should be sleeping with the bodyguard. Like, yeah, no, we 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 need our jobs too much to have been sleeping together. Right. And I think that's correct. And, but I also think it's interesting. Like they're going through all these motions. Like, oh, no, no, stay with me. No, don't investigate. Don't investigate. Just stay with me. Everything's gonna be okay. Hey, everything's yeah. gonna be. Let me come live with you. Don't investigate this. And I think that's what she needs to be. Like she has a job. She has a job that is, in this world, a very good job because she gets hot running water and soap and, once in a great while, beef. Yeah, I mean, she she seems to she seems to know her her, her place in, in the in the world where she because if she's not there, she's probably on the streets. Right, and I think it's more interesting to have someone who is very capable of leveraging their own sexuality. Yeah, and that's what I think is necessary in this role. That's why I, my pick for that role was Rachel Brosnahan. Tell me about her. She is in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, as Maisel. Maisel. Uh, and she was in uh, The House of Cards as well. Okay. And she's a, just a fantastic actress. A really fantastic actress. And can, can you know, take the, the, the sexuality of the, of the character uh, and... And do something really interesting with it, I think. That character would also, like you said, would have to be, have to have a little bit of a different storyline. Would have to be involved in a different way than just being a piece of furniture in this mm-hmm. guy's, in this guy's house. Marvel's Mrs. Maisel, which if I could pull the tab open right now, right there, is one of the things that's, that's next on my to-watch list. It's, Sam, I... I know it's good and I know I will like it. I just keep not watching it because I keep not having the time. Totally. I think it's the uh, one of the best things I've seen on TV. Period. Oh, I'm certain that that's true. Yeah. Talk to me about the characters because the way I've always seen this particular actress perform is that she's sees the positive in any situation. I see her as being an optimist, right? But I see the character of Cheryl being a realist. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't put it past her to be able to play that. Neither would I. I like yeah. I said, I, I haven't seen her perform in anything. Yeah, she's she's really good in House of Cards, but she's fantastic in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. What kind of character does she play in House of Cards? House of Cards, she plays the... Uh, she ends up dying. She's Is getting she killed. Shoving the train one? No, that's... um That's... um, What's her name? Um, Doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, no, she, 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 she plays... A, a person who um, I forget exactly, but she ends up getting pregnant by uh, the dude that Spacey kills in his car, and he has they have to fix the problem, and so she ends up she ends up getting killed. She's part of like the whole circle of death in sure. that whole thing. But she she plays a um, like a young ambitious political person. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't really know Camila Mendez. My yeah. honest interpretation. I don't. Again, I also am not as familiar. Ooh, shoot. She went to Tish, huh? Apparently. Okay, great. The person that ideally I would have cast in this role is Marina Bakarin. 
Unfortunately, I think at this point she's a little bit too old for the role. Oh. And who does she play in? Uh, Miranda Baccarin in Deadpool. Yeah. She's the love interest. Oh, she's a love interest. Oh, she's great. And she's in Firefly and everything. Okay, yeah. And I've only seen one episode of Firefly. You should watch more of it. I know. my Everyone tells me. But that's kind of the essence of the character that I I would have liked. Yeah. Someone who... I mean, because that's basically the character she plays in Firefly is the sort of character that I kind of see Cheryl being. Right. Someone who recognizes their own sexuality and uses it to their own advantage. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Ethnic background aside, I that's... I mean, that's what I think Veronica would be. Yeah, but for sure. Again, she hasn't done all that much beyond being in this movie. So I, I can't make a strong argument for Camila Mendez just because I'm not that familiar with her performance. Right. That's just kind of the concept I have behind her. And I think once you see Maisel, I, you see everything I, she can do, you're going to be like, okay, this is... No, like- no, I, I agree that I think that... I think Rachel Brosnahan is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I... I do think I want to go with Camila Mendez because but you, it's a you, darker you think, portrayal. Yeah, you think she can play that? I think Rachel Brosnahan's a comic, and so she's going to bring lightness to it. And I feel like we're our light. We need to have. Yeah. Well, I mean, our, she she wasn't funny in House of Cards. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm, that's yeah. probably true. And also, all people who play great comedy are great at drama. I mean, I mean, I mean that's well, that's 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 that's. Say, I that's, can't do drama for shit, but I'm a good comedian. I don't know, man. I mean, I mean, you were you were pretty you were pretty great in that uh, the scene on the pier, yeah, or whatever, because it was funny. It was funny, but it takes it takes a a, a, a serious. A, you can't be sending it up, you know. I'm a good tongue in cheek performer. Yeah. I, have a, I have a hard time taking things seriously. No, I totally. I, I, I for that. example, I would that. be a terrible Cheryl. You would be not my first choice. No. Yeah. Because. I would be like, this situation, huh? Oh, man. I'm a furniture. I'm like that chair. Anyway, we're going to the bedroom now, right? Yeah, you're going to have a yeah, great time. Hot it. running water. <laughs> uh, but that, but that's the sort of thing that I want to try to avoid. Right. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, if I you mean, feel strongly it should be Rachel Brosnahan, we'll go with Rachel Brosnahan. I just think she's a shit, and I, I just I just think she's awesome. But, All right. But, you know, I, think, I, I, don't think you, I don't think you cast Rachel Brosnahan in the role. I don't think you're going to be disappointed. Is all I'm saying. I, I think you'll be surprised at her ability to capture the dichotomy of that character. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. But that leads me to Martha. Martha. So, I have Janelle Monet. Okay. Because I think she'd be awesome at it. Yeah. But I kind of want to throw that away. So tell me about who you had, and then I think we're going to... You gonna... know what? I didn't... I didn't... I didn't think of Martha. Oh. Uh, I didn't think of Martha. Tragic. I know it is tragic. Because there's so many women in this. Yeah. Uh, which is why... It's sad that I want to take one of the roles for women away. Oh, so you think... I I think in order to make the concept of furniture more palatable for a 20th century... A 21st century audience... Yeah. It needs to be a mix of genders. Right. That said, I meant to make more of these people women and then I didn't. Yeah, I know, right? I had I had the same thing. It's a very, because, I don't know, I just didn't. Like, yeah. in retrospect, I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, no, more of them need to be women. And then, like, I made my whole cast list, and only now, looking back over it, I'm like, this is still a lot of dudes, and I want to take away Martha, just to make that more palatable. So that's tough. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's great. You know, I, I had I had casting for, for Tab, the bodyguard guy, who ends up hunting 
whatever. But yeah. I didn't have yeah I didn't have Martha. And but I think that's... Martha's super interesting because you kind of get the difference between this is terrible the high end furniture and the low end furniture. Right. I don't think there is necessarily a difference. I mean, I think the movie suggesting is suggesting there is. Well, the high end, but even then, it wasn't yeah. because they then well, then Cheryl had all all of her furniture buddies over. Yeah, and it's it also like thing. personal furniture and building furniture, right? So as opposed to you know <laughs> dating, right? Which doesn't seem to be a thing. No, but like Martha was interesting because she said, "Yeah, no, my name's Martha something. I don't remember her last name. I live here. Oh, okay." And then, like, ten minutes later, oh, are you furniture? Yeah. Oh. Right. Because that was his first tip-off that, that because that's employment. That's giving someone a job. And if, he, yeah. if that's personal furniture, that's showing how well he's how doing. How well off he's doing, yeah. A, uh, a personal escort, as it were. Which, right. all this stuff, very tough to say. But, um, yeah, I but mean, that's what I, but that's an extrapolation of the, of the world as we know, which is tragic with, as it may be. I would go with Janelle Monáe for a role like that, but you're thinking... But I want to make it a dude. You're thinking you want to make it a dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see, a dude. I mean, I have, I have some other people on this list, but I don't think they're going to work. No. They're going to work, no, because it has to be a young, it has to be a young person. Right. Has to be a young, attractive person. It does. Um, and uh, what's the uh, what's the name? Who's the guy who? Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, what do you think of? Uh, oh yeah, like <laughs> Miles Teller. Apparently, he's an asshole. No. Yeah. No, don't so tell me So here's that. the story with Miles Teller. You familiar with the movie uh, Whiplash, or Whiplash? Yeah, sure. Yeah, the drumming one? Yeah, it's a great movie. Fantastic movie. What, in every interview where he's being inter- interviewed and asked, hey, did you do all the drumming for that movie? He says yes. The answer to that question is no. Uh. He had, for certain chunks in a lot of the movie, he had a, a drummer stand-in. He had someone else doing the drumming. Now, this person's a very well-known successful drummer i'm pretty sure it's the same drummer who's in uh birdman the one who's at the end he walks past doing the drums. i love i love that all the stories i hear about miles teller is that he's just a bit of an asshole not to say he isn't necessarily good at what he does yeah i like him but also a bit of a dick bit of a dick so that's a shame i'm not necessarily opposed to having kind of the yeah standard han solo or solo (laughs) casting for it yeah but I feel like we can do better. Like I Michael Sarah. No. Because I honestly feel like someone like Donald Glover would be really good. Yeah. But I don't want to go with Donald Glover because we do Donald Glover for everything. Right. But someone like that. Kind of like that same sort of essence. Yeah, like some, yeah, yeah. Because like, I think Martha should be someone who also is very aware of the world. Like, this is the way it is. And some like Martha should be a, a pre-sure. Like someone who's working towards becoming... Sure, like, I'm a personal furniture right now, yeah. attempting to work my way up. I'm, I'm working with this bodyguard because he's the... And I might get to meet someone who would be the next step up for me in my quote-unquote career. Right. And that's who I think uh, this person needs to be as well. 
Right, okay. And that's why I think Janelle Monet would actually work. Um, and I'm happy to go with her. That's his name. What about, like, Daniel Kaluuya from Get Out? I mean, I already have someone from Get Out in this. Oh, do you? Yeah. It could be a communion. I don't know. Yeah. I mean... I mean, because I, I, I think you're right about about making men and women furniture in this thing. And the, But the, the only other thing that I think is that if this whole... I mean, in my mind... Having this furniture world exist in this in this movie, uh, in my mind, that means that like women's bodies are not their own, which is a conservative sort of standpoint, and homosexuality would also be then looked down on. It is, but I'm trying to avoid necessarily going that particular route. I don't want it to yeah. say one side one versus the other. Right. I want it to. Uh, the way I see this movie is automation has taken over and the, some of the last jobs that are available are the, some of the jobs that only people can do, which is I'd rather have sex with a person than a robot. Yeah. And so if that's something people want, then that means that there's a market for it, which means some people are going to be willing to sell it. True. And if, yeah, if you can, if you can pay them, why not? Right. Uh, so I don't yeah. necessarily see this. It's absolutely a commodification of, of, of the female body. Which is why I'm trying to make it as a commodification of the body in general. Yeah. Like, this is the... I don't have any skills that work in this world, but I'm good at sex. Dave Franco. Zac Efron. Name someone who's not white. Other than... Uh, Daniel Kaluuya. Other yeah. than Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, this is, that's, a, that's a tough one. That's a... Let's go with that. All right, so there's an actor named Tyler James Williams... Who's mm. been in Dear White People? Actually, we should have just gone to the IMDb page for Dear White People, but yeah, um, he is—he's in Everybody Hates Chris. And he's in Let It Shine, and he's a recognizable actor. But yeah, I also see him as the sort of person who'd be like, "This is the job. This is what I'm working through." Yeah, yeah. He looks—he looks exactly like what I would think that character would be. I don't necessarily want to—I don't want to give this to Jaden Smith. Nah, Jaden Smith. Is, <laughs> he, he's had it. He's had his fill. Tyler James Williams. Come Tyler on, Tyler James down. Williams. That Tyler said, I'm also going to keep uh, Janelle Monet simply yeah. because I think this aspect of society is so interesting. The fact that there's nothing left, this is what we have to do. It's tough because I don't want society to be a place where people are like forced, like this is all that they have left. They are forced to sell their body. Right. But I also really like leaning into the suicide and choosing to end your life is everything in this society is a choice. Like you could go and be the people who sleep on the stairs or you could be the people who do these different things. Right. Everything is a matter of choice, but also what do you want out of life? And it's hard to put someone in a position where this is all they have left, but it's also, I don't want to put a stigma on sex work. So it's tough. I know it's a tough one. It's tough. It's a tough one, but you know, that's I why mean, I'm glad when you're Marty put... Knox and has to deal with it and not me. Yeah, exactly. When you're put in that situation though, when you're put in a, in a corner like that, like you either are starving and scraping together funds to get the soilment crumbs, or you go in to this. You know business, where the soap, where the soap is, you know the and soap you want to be in a position water where water is, and yeah. the whole thing. And I mean, that's that seems like a relatively easy easy choice to make if you can keep your dignity. You know, I mean, yeah, just so depends. That's a tough one. It's a. I can't believe I was about to say this particular expression. So take it with a grain of salt that I'm front porching it that's a tough road to hoe i'll be over here <laughs> <laughs> i'm so sorry everybody yeah. out of for the for for uh, out of love for my fiance i'm gonna refer ref, refrain from making any puns because she 
hates puns, but she's secretly... She's a monster. She secretly loves them, but she says she hates them. Next time we all go out for ramen... It's going to be pun... nothing but puns. Puntacular. Yes. Yeah. All right, so you said you have the bodyguard. I do! Really? While you're pulling it up, let me tell you about mine. Yeah. Zachary Levi. Zachary Levi. I went older and stranger. I'm interested. Willem Dafoe. Really? Yes. Why? Because he's like... He's, he's like experienced, he's an older character, he's experienced in the world, but he's also so interesting and, and can be diabolical if he wants to. Willem Dafoe would be a really good Governor Santini, he'd be a really good dude that gets murdered, but the bodyguard needs to be intimidating. Governor, Governor, oh, he could be intimidating, he could absolutely be intimidating. I'm not saying he, right, but I, he needs to be like, look, Willem Dafoe is not gonna, like, get in someone's way and stop him from doing anything, like a... I, like a bodyguard needs to be a bodyguard. I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, Zach, Le- Zach, Zach Levy, Levi, Zachary Levi, Zachary Levi. Uh, I, I like, I like him, but and he's a, he's a tall, he's a tall guy. He's also jacked. But I, yeah, he's, he's the new Shazam or Captain Marvel. Like he's a big guy. Yeah, he's a, he's a big guy. I actually did a short film with him. Once. Really, that's Got to fun. Hang out with him in Ray Park. Oh, for, so why wouldn't you want your, your buddy in a in a movie? Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I ran into him on a train once. He didn't remember me, but he was very nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I understand why you wouldn't want your buddy in a movie. Uh, no, 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 but he was very, very nice. Um, uh, but um, Zachary, yeah, I mean, I just really love the idea of, of, a, of like a diabolical, like sort of Willem Dafoe character sort of in being this... Look, Willem Dafoe's great, thing. and I think he'd be a really good shady dude. But no, he's not a bodyguard. He's the guy who hires the bodyguard and sends him. Willem Dafoe would be a really good um, that landlord guy. Landlord guy. The guy who comes in and says, here's the building, welcome, come in. And then he walks in and says, what are all you furniture doing here? Get back to your rooms. Punch. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Like, he William beats. Defoe would be real good at that. Yeah, he would be really good. At, he would be really good. Like at that. I would put William Defoe there, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but not as a bodyguard. Yeah, I don't. I mean, he has I, to be I able s- to push his way through a crowd and then punch someone. I see your point, but I still like. <laughs> I still like William Defoe. But look, Kevin yeah. Bacon would be a better, and even when what? he was a big, ba- no big bad, no I would. I would put. In in a in in the in the the Comedy Central claymate claymation fighting thing whatever that used to be remember that show no you don't remember that show where they would it was a celebrity death match in, in, in celebrity death match Willem Dafoe and Kevin Bacon Willem Dafoe wins for sure Willem Dafoe wins absolutely I have no idea what you're talking about you don't know celebrity death match? I've never heard of this am I dating myself yeah <laughs> real hard wow I remember beat the geeks. Celebrity Deathmatch was a show where they would take. It was a claymation show, and there yeah, the would concept be, of that alone I find weird. It'd be like it'd be like a WWF match, and they would take two celebrities, and it was on MTV. And they took two celebrities, it's and not they, Comedy Central. Uh, MTV, no, right? They're not Comedy Central. Um, and uh, they would have them fight each other to the death. And they would I don't like, think you're that much older than me. Like, I feel like I would have, if, if it was on Comedy Central, I'd have known about it. But because it was on MTV, was on I MTV. did not. Yeah, it was on MTV. It was an MTV thing. Uh, but I can't believe you don't know Celebrity Deathmatch. That's, that, sure that show should be on right now. It's, okay. it's, it's a great show. Anyways. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's great satire. Uh, it's, it's fantastic satire. But the point was, Willem Dafoe takes Kevin Bacon. 100%. Either 
either way. I'm saying it from a man will. Absolutely not. <laughs> just, just no. Well, that's like, like I'm looking up how old Willem Dafoe like is right your now. Your opinion, man. Yeah. And also, Sam Raimi, look, I get that if Sam Raimi is our director, he already knows Willem Dafoe, and that's fine. I get it. No shit. But look at that face, though. I mean, he's also a great goblin. Oh, yeah, no. Also, he's 62. 62? It's fine. No. I'm sorry. No. Look, I would put him on the stairs with the machine gun. I would make him the the landlord guy. But absolutely not. He cannot be a bodyguard. That is not what a bodyguard does. Uh, I don't know. Okay, I mean... Because there has to be that whole... Like, it has to be a young, attractive guy because there has to be, like... I find it interesting... A young, attractive guy? I think so. Because I think there has to be a reason... Like, even if Cheryl and the bodyguard are attracted to each other, they can never sleep with each other because their job will be on the line and they can't even consider it because... Was that a thing, Cheryl and the bodyguard? Well, that, that was one of the things where they're like, are you guys sleeping together? Are you kidding? We'd never risk our job. It's that one line and then we're done. But right. there's such emphasis on we cannot lose our job that I feel like you need to have a situation where those two could. Like, you could see them. Yeah, that's true. But then they can't because, like, they can't even consider it because having a job is so important. Mm. Otherwise, you're sleeping on the stairs. Yeah. Or your food. Zachary Levy. I'm, I'm open to other ideas. Yeah. Pitch me someone else. Yeah, that's 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 true. That's a good... John Krasinski. <laughs> I actually, I, I get what you're doing. I actually, I actually and don't. I actually lie, don't want. I, I considered actually, it, but absolutely, I actually not. don't want John Krasinski no, in that role. I think Zachary Levi's a better choice. <laughs> yeah, I don't want John Krasinski in that role. I think Chuck's a better um, pull than yeah, whatever. Chuck, Chuck is Chuck is a good one. Unless you're going to go with a Hemsworth, I mean, you kind of yeah, or that's the, that's it. Yeah. Man. That's kind of that's kind of that's kind of what we got. Zachary, congratulations, Zachary, you made it. You made the cut. <laughs> I have uh, four more roles. Okay, that which we roles do you have on there? I have the landlord, which I was talking about. Right. I have Chief Hatcher. Chief Hatcher, yeah. I have the priest. Yep. And I have Governor Santini. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah, I have I have that I have that as well. Okay. Um I don't I don't have the landlord guy. Okay. Um I feel like the landlord now that <laughs> yeah, now thought. that I'm saying it out loud, I actually think the landlord would be a good one to flip because I think the landlord would be interesting if the landlord was also a madam. Yeah, for sure. I I would love that. So the person I had for the landlord is Tom Felton. Who's Draco Malfoy. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. But I think it would be more interesting if it was someone more like Robin Wright. Yeah. Robin Wright, yeah. That's interesting. Someone who, older, love Robin powerful, Wright. and obviously she's amazing. And I yeah. definitely think I've used her uh, for different things before, but I never remember what I uh, have people cast as. <laughs> it's a problem. That's fine. I mean, yeah. But someone like that. So, or like, or Helena Bonham Carter or something. Helena Bonham Carter... She's yeah, she's great. I, I like I like the regality of Robin Wright because she is kind of like in my mind will always be a yeah, princess. She'll always be a princess. Um and uh Or Jenny. She's, yeah, or Jenny. See Jenny. <laughs> so good. So great. I mean just just a dream girl. Just dream girl. Yeah. Um yeah, uh I I really I really like I really like that a lot. I mean I mean another good person would be someone like uh Leia Thompson. Right. That's true. Uh what about like Someone like Violet Davis. Violet Davis would be great. Yeah. I most... We definitely used her on the show before. Oh, you have? Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Not and that I have a problem with that she's again. So, she's so sweet and mom. I, I, I wouldn't Which be is able... why I think it'd be interesting if then she just turns and just, like, started, just like... Goes, just goes like, crazy. Just taking yeah. it out. Because you can't have a dude I mean, punching a woman. If you want to make... 
if you want to make the movie really successful, just put Meryl Streep in there. Streep it up. I I do have A-list casting. That's not where I put it. You do have A-list casting? Yeah, yeah. I've got a real A-lister in here somewhere. I'm very excited when we get to the priest because I have... I have, I have the oh, I'm excited for your priest because okay. I, I had a lot of trouble with the priest. I have some, but I'm excited for who you have. Okay, great. But we um, should save that for a little bit later. Yeah, well... Leah, Leah Thompson's like, a great... I think Leah Thompson's a great choice. I love her as an actress. And But again, I'm open to other suggestions. Um, like, who's a... Like, hell, we could do Sally Field, but that might be getting a little... Well, yeah, I mean, Sally, Sally Field is... I mean, I, I would... That would be... Coming out of total left field. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would not expect that at Cause, all. Yeah, because you, th- you see Sally Field, she's this, this sweet woman. And yeah. then all of a sudden, she's like, what the hell do you think you're doing Yeah, like, here? like who was a quintessential older caretaker in, in Hollywood in that? Sally in that Field. Scene? I mean, Sally Field is that. I mean, she, Leah Thompson's very, very, very close yeah. to that. Uh, Sally Field is... What do you think? Who do you want to go with? I want to go with Sally. I mean, all right. she classes up a joint, you know? Like better than anything. She's a good uh, building manager. She's a Great good landlord. Yep. And I feel like she'd be a really sneaky, subtle madam. Yeah, I think so. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And to see her go to go to town would be. So talk to shocking. me about who you have for uh, Chief Hatcher. Chief Hatcher, John Leguizamo. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, I love John. I like Leguizamo. that a lot. Yeah, I had Lakeith Stanfield. Oh, great! I like Lakeith Stanfield. I love John Leguizamo. Yeah, I think he's great. I wanted to put him somewhere, and I couldn't. I was trying to figure out where I want to cast that guy in there, and that just seemed like the right, like the right move. My brain wanted to make it someone a little bit younger, and Lakeith Stanfield's actually like late twenties or like thirty-one or thirty-two. Oh, wow. He's really young, but I think John Leguizamo is actually more interesting simply because I mean, he's like the chief. Yeah, he's someone so... who's literally been through all of this, like seen it all, but also knows how the system works and is just surviving. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, John I was, I was really 100%. excited. I was really excited about that one because I I love John Leguizamo and he ever, needs to be in more things. He does. He does. I, I wonder if he's working on his writing. The first, the first he written. Uh, he's written a bunch of ton of one man shows. Oh, 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 oh! So he's doing like theater stuff. Yeah, I mean, he, he again. Toured, I understand why that appeals to you. He toured here with Ghetto Clown uh, maybe three years ago, and I didn't ended up, I ended up not seeing it. But was is is that a Spawn reference? No, no, it's not. Because no, that would not. be funny if it was. Because he is kind of a clown, you know. Yeah. Like Because the first big movie that I saw of his was The Pest, uh, which was not very good. But he was silly and funny in it. Uh, but the first thing that blew my mind was uh, Freak, that one man show he did on HBO all mm-hmm. those years ago, which is the first one he did that Spike Lee directed. It was and it was a revelation as an actor. I mean, just an incredible, incredible guy. My first experience with John Leguizamo is as um, Carla's brother on Scrubs. Whoa. And I really haven't seen him in all that much, but every single time you see him, he is amazing. He's amazing. To the point where I wrote a script where, like, I described the character as young John Leguizamo, because that's... And it's literally the only person I can see playing the role, which is going to be real tough for me, because he's older now and can't do it. Yeah, can't do it. But, like, that's the type of character. He's, he's, He's so good at what he does. I was in China, and there was one channel that had English... Uh, movies on there mm-hmm. uh, but they were all movies I'd never heard of before like sure. weird movies there was one movie called Street Hunter which was a take on Shaft uh, and sure enough on the screen John Leguizamo comes on and like the whole movie is like super 
uh, black exploitation sort of seventies sure. feel to it. Really bad, but you know, a lot of fun. And John Leguizamo comes on screen, and suddenly, it's a movie, and he's incredible in it. I mean, only only a real a real actor can really do that and uh, and pull that off. Yeah. In a way, so I I just love using John Leguizamo. Almost as much as I love using Willem Dafoe, but hey, you know, it's it's fine. Hey, we picked one of them. So uh, I'm going to tell you about the guy I had for the priest because you're really uh, excited about this, about who you have for I the am, priest. I have, I have. Uh, the person I have for the priest is an actor named Jacob Anderson. Okay, tell me. And the reason why I picked it is because the priest needs to be someone who's like literally, he's someone who exists with the burden of knowledge. He knows too much. Yeah. But he also has too much responsibility. Yeah. Like he can't go home. Because too many people are counting on him. So he just has to suffer the burden of knowledge. So I picked Jacob Anderson. You know him uh, from Game of Thrones. He plays Grey Worm. Whoa. Yeah, okay. And because, yeah. He's great. Mm-hmm. He's great as He Grey is great. He's great. Worm. Worm. Grey Worm. Yeah. Grey Worm. Uh, so that's why I picked him. I like that. I like that choice. Tell me who you have. I picked an actor named David Patrick Kelly. Okay, I do not know who that is. David Patrick Kelly, the first time I saw him was in The Crow. Um, he's the guy who gets his, you remember that movie, he gets his head taped to his... I haven't seen this movie. The Crow? I can't watch The Crow, are you kidding me? No? No. Oh, come on, it's so good. This guy, actor is so fantastic. I, I love him so much. Uh, and he he was also in... Uh, K-Pax. You saw K-Pax? I did see K-Pax. Yeah, he was the guy in Thick Glasses. I don't remember. I saw it years and years ago. Oh, I mean, he's... I mean, the guy in Thick Glasses is Kevin Spacey. No, no, no. That's the guy in Sunglasses. The guy with the thick glasses uh, is is David Patrick Kelly. Sure. I, um, I just don't remember. And also, I guess he's in Twin Peaks a lot. He's... I guess he is. Yeah. He's really well, fantastic. He's so fantastic. He's so good in The Crow. I mean, The Crow is one of my favorite, one of my favorite movies from that. I'm not familiar with this actor, but if you think that he would be good at it, then I trust your judgment. Tell me me why this actor in particular. The reason that I think he can can do this role is because I feel like I've seen him do this in movies before where he he plays this, uh, these sorts of characters that are, that are sort of, um, uh, well, he he he. Traditionally, in the Crow and 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 the and the Warriors, he plays like villainous people. But he was. But what convinced me of him was actually his 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 uh, K-Pax because he plays someone who's a little more meek. So he has he has the ability to be that sort of subdued, sort of meek character. But then he also has that other side where he can be that sort of like off the wall crazy person. To live with a secret like that, what he does, I think, has to play. Has to eat at his soul. He never delivers a secret. No, but he lives with the secret. Oh, he lives with the secret. And to live with the secret like he does. Sorry, you said to live with. I thought you said delivered. Oh, no, 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 to live with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And to live with a secret like that is such a huge burden. And I feel like he would be able to deliver the what needs to happen behind the eyes to make that to make that a, the reality. I just think he he's great. And I also love that he's older and he would play this sort of like wearied sort of priest character. So do you see him as the priest and not necessarily as the guy who gets killed at the beginning? I see him as, yeah, the priest. Okay. Yeah. The guy I see gets killed at the beginning. I thought it'd be cool if it was 
if it was an A-lister, that just got killed out right away. I do that a lot of times, but I feel like in this particular movie, it doesn't work. Uh, simply because I feel like in this movie, like it's a, that, that's good in a comedy. Yeah, that's because like, when we did Clue, we cast uh, The Rock as the chef. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I love The Rock. I mean, the, pre, the the person who played the chef was a Samoan actor, so we didn't want to take work away because there's so many, so few roles for Samoans and Yeah, and so it'd be funny because like it's The Rock and he's dead. Yeah, and I like doing something like that. I think that's a good move in a comedy. I don't think it's a good move. Mm-hmm. In this. What about Deep Blue Sea? Remember Deep Blue Sea, Samuel L. Jackson? I mean, I, I'm also familiar with, like, Burn After Reading. Right. But. Yeah. But there's, there, it's tongue-in-cheek, there's an element to that, and I right. feel like it, it's too heavy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I like him for the priest more than I would like him for. That's fine. I'm happy to have him as the priest. I don't have anyone for the guy who gets killed at the beginning, but I'm just thinking it out loud. Yeah. I had, I had, I had an A-lister. We're not so, doing that. I'm not doing it. We're not, right. not, not going to go there. But we're just not going to go. There. I do have an A-lister for Governor Santini. <gasps> I wonder if I wonder if we thought of the same person because it needs to be someone who's naturally charming, and charismatic, and someone who needs to win the crowd over and be like, "This is the world we're living in. Everything's going to be great." It's someone who is both typecast as a good, basically, he's central casting president, but also central casting CEO, right? Because I feel like that's a sort of thing where well, that will be, what we will gravitate to, and that's why I feel like it has to be George Clooney. George Clooney. Yeah. Whoa, okay. Because you'll believe anything George Clooney says. Yeah. And then if he's doing something duplicitous behind your back, it would hurt your heart. It would hurt my heart. Who'd you have? Max, Tom Hanks? Max von Sydow. Who? Max von Sydow. That is not an A-lister. Oh, oh, yes he is. Max von Sydow is, I mean, come on. This guy's been in... As long as we're talking Minority Report. I mean, that's true. He's been in tons, tons of stuff. I mean, he's, he's perpetually old. But uh, he has, he carries that um, sort of the feeling of, of statesman, I thought. He does, and that's why we're going to make him the guy that's killed. Perfect! I don't know that character's name. Yeah. Dude that's Solomon. killed. Solomon. Si- Simonson. Simonson is his name. Max von Sydow. Yeah, I, I love Max von Sydow. Great. Uh, he is 89, so we got to make this movie real fast. Real fast. Uh, but let's run through it. So, we have Soylent Green. Soylent Green. Last question. You don't want to introduce any other colors, right? Because at that point, it's just a joke. Uh, like Soylent Turquoise, Soylent, yeah. Soylent Rainbow. Right. So, yeah, yeah no. that's the problem. Yeah. It becomes a joke. Oh, also, the um, the exchange leader um, I cast as well. The woman. The exchange leader? In the library that he go- that uh, Saul goes to in the Oh, the, the other book. I didn't even think to cast book. her. You have someone for her? Ellen Burstyn. I don't know who that is. Ellen Burstyn is a phenomenal actress. She was in uh, the Aronofsky heroin movie. Um, Requiem for a Dream. For a Dream. The one that says right there. Yeah, yeah. She was the mom in that. She's uh, just. Uh, I'm sure she'd be great. Just wonderful. Great. Love it. Yeah. I didn't even think to cast her. Just like, yeah. It's not It's not that big a role. It's an important because she gives an important speech. But She does. Yeah, and there would be more to that character in the in the film. I don't I think, think there would be. I don't think there needs to be. Well, I think it would be. I think it'd be a. It'd be sort of like a great reveal. I feel like to have somebody of a name in that role. Mm, I don't think that's necessary. I think it brings importance to uh, that because because the audience will definitely will will know this mm-hmm. is an important. No, and here's why: if you have someone of of if you have so I don't necessarily recognize this woman. I'm sorry. So for me, she's fine. But I think as soon as you cast a recognizable actor in a role, you know that actor is going to do something of import. Yeah. The point. No, that's not the point. The point is, 
you don't expect the thing of import because the thing of import happens. You don't know that this revelation is going to come and you don't know that she's going to give a speech. You can't be expecting something like that because otherwise it doesn't carry the same weight. I disagree because I, I feel like, yes, this is an important uh, part of, of the story, but it isn't the, it isn't the, the linchpin for the entire thing. It's just in this, in that moment for Saul specifically. Right. But if, it's, if you have, yeah. unless it's, you're doing it for a joke, which I've definitely done. And I think it's funny. Yeah. I, it's this, It's the same basic acting thing. Like, someone who gives a monologue doesn't know that they were about to give a monologue. Right, sure, they're just talking. But if you cast a recognizable, well-known actress, like an A-lister actress in a role like this, you know that you only cast them so that they could do something juicy. And if you're expecting something juicy is going to happen, you're watching them like, when are they going to do the thing? When are they going to do the thing? Yeah. And that's why you subvert it why, with something who'd be killed or something here, something there. But... I feel like it's more interesting where it's someone you think is just an incidental, someone who just has one line, and then all of a sudden, that's where the information comes from. That's yeah. the person who reveals the thing. Yeah. And that's why in the movie as it is now, you think it's just going to be, oh, yeah, no, this is a book. You did a really good job. All right. And then he's going to be the person who reveals all this information. But it doesn't come from him. It comes from her. Right. You don't expect that because that's not – because you don't recognize her. You don't know who this actress is. You don't know anything about her. You think she's incidental, and then all of a sudden – she figures the story out, and that's what reveals it to Roth, and that's and so she's able to handle it. He's not uh. the nothing person who you don't expect is able to handle this information that our main character can't handle. Huh. And that it's a subversion of expectation, as opposed to casting your A-lister. Like, let's say we walk in and it's Betty White sitting there. <laughs> We know Betty White's going to have something big to do because yeah. it's Betty White. True. You come in and it's Alice and Janney. You know Alice and Janney's going to give a hell of a speech because it's Alice and Janney and that's what she does. Yeah. I don't want to be expecting that. I want to get hit, I want to get hit on the side of the head with the information that I didn't know was coming. Well, I mean, that I mean, she's really only in that one scene. I know. And and it's it's all it's a reveal. It's a reveal of that character. It is. But I, mean, I don't want to know that that's a big reveal until she starts talking. Well, it has to be a big reveal because it's the last act of the movie. Right. So, it is. But if you expect it to be coming from A and it comes from G, that's what I'm saying. A to G. It's a, there's a lot of letters in the middle there. There is. Yeah. A lot of adequate... And I'm, and I'm perfectly happy to go with Ellen Burstyn because I think she's good casting. But that's why I don't think we can be necessarily go with someone more famous. Sure. Yeah. I mean, she's... she. I mean, you, you didn't know who she was and she's... You right. Know, so, so, there's, so we have that going for us. Yeah. So. But 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 that that's my argument for that. Recognize her in some of the other pictures she's in. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, am I missing anyone? Is there anyone no, else you I, forgot I, to cast? I think I think. Let me just. I can't check. believe you forgot to cast Martha. My no, Martha. I, I mean, I'm so upset with you. That's. <laughs> hey, you know, I was I was I was really I was I was so focused on Willem Dafoe, I kind of yeah. forgot. I the. Uh, the only other people I can think of are like the dude who actually kills the guy, right. and that's that literally has to be a nobody. Yeah, yeah, because that's the whole point. Right, the whole point is that. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, there's no one else. It's just like, and then just scores of extras. Yeah, tons of extras. So we so have many. our Soylent Green, Soylent Green 2018. Yes, I mean the movie has to be called Soylent Green. All right, yeah. Soylent Green recasting. Detective Thorne is going to be played by Daniel Wu. I like it. Cheryl a.k.a. Furniture, will be played by uh, Rachel Brosnahan. Yes, Rachel. Saul Roth, a.k.a. The Book, will be played by Michael Winters. Tab Fielding, a.k.a. The Bodyguard, will be Zachary Levi. 
Martha, the other furniture lady, and in addition to other furniture people, because I kind of right. want to see that that aspect of society uh, expand, it would be Janelle Monet, Tyler James Williams, kind of like a mix of uh, mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Our landlord will be Sally Field. Chief Hatcher is John Leguizamo. Yes. The priest is David Patrick Kelly. Yes. Governor Santini is George Clooney. <laughs> Dude that's killed, a.k.a. Simonson, is going to be Max von si- uh, Sidow. Sidow, yeah. Sidow. Yeah. Uh, the other book lady is Ellen Burstyn. Yeah. Now, all this is going to be written by Marty Noxon, who is a genius, and I'm excited about it. And it's going to be directed by Sam Raimi. Yeah. That is Soylent Green. I love it. I love it. I mean, you had me at Sam Raimi and Marty Noxon. Coming soon, spring 2020. Soylent Green is people. Yeah. We know it's people, but do you know which people? Yeah. One of the things I was really trying to avoid uh, when I was doing this is I was trying really hard to avoid uh, Black Mirroring this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, Black Mirror, you kind of know what you're getting. You know there's going to be a twist. And I feel like that's... I mean, look, Black... This is essentially a Black Mirror episode. It is. But I don't want it to specifically be that tone. You know, there is something really interesting to me uh, in storytelling, especially with a mystery or a suspense, where the audience knows what's happening before the characters do. Yeah. And they have to see them living through not this. Not knowing. Not knowing. Mm-hmm. And it drives them crazy. I mean, I, yeah. I, 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 that's a diff, very difficult thing to do in terms of the writing and the execution of an idea like that. Yes. But I, but I personally, for, for me, really love that. That's so juicy to me. The one thing that I thought that this movie was missing the entire time was I do not once see him eat Soylent Green. Yeah. And we need to see people eating Soylent Green all the time. Yeah. We need to see executive chefs making fancy things out of Soylent Greens for, for the elite. We need to see we need to see Soylent Green being a part of life. This is the thing people eat. Like, Soylent Green on Tuesdays is so exciting because this is the one day we get to eat the thing we really like. And we yeah. need to see them eating it. Yeah. I guess... Every other food is dull and blasé, but Soylent Green is finally the kind of marzipan that you can get behind. I love marzipan. And... That's what this movie is missing, and I feel like that needs to... We need... We need Brad Pitt-level snacking. Yeah. Throughout this movie on Soylent Green. Yeah, so Soylent like, is I, everywhere. Like, I think you need to see the difference between the way the poor people eat Soylent Green and the way rich people eat Soylent Green, and I think that needs to be a huge part of this movie. That's what I forgot to say, but I remember now. Hey, victory. So, Daniel, I know you because last summer we were in a play called The Good Doctor. Yes, we a were. A play I was familiar with. But you were not. I had no idea. I did scenes from it in high school. Yeah. Uh, but you're a big theater actor, and you do shorts, and you direct things, and you're engaged or whatever. I do all that stuff, and that is true. Yeah. Uh, tell me about other things that you're doing. Promote stuff. Uh, plugs and yeah. do whatnot. Oh, that's fa- I, I thank you. For, thank you for the plugs. Yeah. Uh, I have a movie. Uh, out right now it's a short film it's making festival rounds called the what if factor produced it with my fiance now say it again without mumbling when you say the name and directed the what if factor there it is um and um yeah so we we shot that uh last year and now that's making the festival rounds we've gotten to a few festivals so far got nominated for best sci-fi in one of them awesome international toronto film festival i've heard of that um so that's pretty cool uh and um 
We are about to shoot a music video from one of the songs Catherine wrote, so we're very excited about that. Fun. Look uh, for that to drop on our Love Reaction Instagram that you is, can is that, check it's, out. Is it Love Reaction, all one word? Uh, love Reaction LA, I think. I think Love Reaction was taken. Um, uh, by porn? By porn. Yeah, it was a, it was, it was a porner. No, no, no! It wasn't. A corner. It wasn't a uh, yeah, <laughs> love, love reaction. LA is is our Instagram, and you can you can follow all of the great things that that we do. And uh, Catherine is going to be opening uh, Plaza Suite at Little Fish Theater uh, next month, so that's pretty cool. She's in rehearsals for that. Little Fish Theater is where we did the Good Doctor. It's a wonderful little theater in San Pedro. If you get a chance to check out their shows, do it because they're wonderful. I agree, hundred percent. Uh, and that and both is, you and Catherine are company members there. We're both company members there, so I get to do some work over there myself, which is great. Uh, and uh, I just actually received a cut of the last film that I did in my inbox last uh, a week ago, and that's going to be released soon. That one's just called Ma, but uh, it was a different role than I've ever played like, on camera. Ma, get in here with with the cutlery that's a line from the movie how did you know i'm very sneaky yeah you're you have good instincts is what that is very good instincts so that's cool so hopefully that'll make festival rounds and i'll be able to garner some sort of award out of that yeah i mean that's all we want that's all i just i just want you know i'm a i'm a snowflake uh, millennial i just i just want to get the awards for participation so that's right it's all so that's it they just i need things for shelves yeah that's all. I got a lot of, a lot of empty space. Yeah. 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 Gathering dust. That's that's what we have in uh, our L.A. style apartments. <laughs> empty space. Where all the awards will be going. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, cool. Uh, do you have your own Instagram or Twitter that you want people to follow you on? Uh, sure, yeah. My my Instagram is uh, mctitan84. Why? MC Titan, it's a reference to Kurt Vonnegut, Sirens of Titan. Uh, big, big, big fan of Kurt Vonnegut. I'm trying to read all of his books. Malachi Constant is the main character in the story. Uh, and so uh, that is the the handle that I go by, MC Titan. I love it. Yeah. All right. And if you want to know more about this show, Ideal Remake, you can follow us on Twitter or you can join us on Facebook, all of which is Ideal Remake. Or if you want to know about more about me, I'm Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H on Twitter. Follow me there. That would be super keen. Thank you all for listening. And if this is the way the world's going to go, well, so it goes.